Thank you, God, for your promise that the word, your word will never return void. And so although I know that this will be a prayed through, prepared through message, I also anticipate, Lord, what you will speak to every individual heart in this. In Jesus' name, bless your word, I pray. Amen. Amen. How's everybody today? Good? Who's sleeping? You won't be soon. Uh, Anybody have strange neighbors? I've had a strange neighbor. I've had some interesting neighbors in my days. I, uh, my, my wife and I, we went on a date um, in Puyallup, one of our first dates. Uh, we went to Puyallup, and uh, we were going to the fairgrounds, and we got off the freeway. And, and uh, as we got off the freeway there in Puyallup, I, as soon as we pulled off the freeway, I, I looked at Angie, and I said, I said, who would want to live here? And and within a year, I, I, I've learned a lot about God's sense of humor. Uh, within a year, I was moving into a house about 150 feet from where I said that. <laughs> yeah, it was a little historic, historic area in downtown Puyallup. And uh, we moved into this house. It was built in like 1940. And uh, the nice thing about small houses, like 800 square feet, is there's not a whole lot of upkeep. You can get everything done in one day. It's great. Paint the whole house inside and out in one day, right? And, and we had the, these neighbors, and the oldest house in the neighborhood was right beside our house. It was built in 1890, and it had not been changed one bit since then. The, the, the fence on the, on, the, on the side of the house, there was a, a wooden fence kind of around the front that was just nice and short, and uh, the, the folks who lived there... Uh, their names were Tex and Marcelia, and this says a lot about who these people were. I mean, they were, they were the most authentic, wonderful people you could ever have for a neighbor, but they were, there's just something a little different, right? Wonderful people, but Tex, he had his cowboy hat on, and, and uh, he had a cigarette in his mouth. He always had one in his hand for when the one in his mouth wore out. It's like my grandpa. <laughs> And he, he was kind of bow-legged, and he'd, he'd sit on the porch, and if he wasn't on the porch, well, he was on the porch. <laughs> if he wasn't on the porch, Marcelia would be on the porch. And we'd been there about a week, and we'd moved in, and I didn't, I didn't know the neighbors. I just happened to see them on the porch. And uh, I remember one day I walked outside and, and noticed that nobody was on the porch. And I looked around and thought, this is, this is unusual, no big deal. And I looked out, and, and Tex, uh, he had a, an old 60s Ford pickup truck that was, I didn't know if it ran or not, but it, it, was, it was there in, in kind of the, the trail through the grass and parked. And, and I looked out at the truck, and I noticed somebody slumped over the steering wheel. Just, and I thought, oh, Lord. You ever, you ever see something and you know you, you just can't go back and unsee it? You, you just you see it and, and you're like, do I call the cops? Do, do, what do I do? How do I, how do I unsee this? So I thought the next thing I need to do is I'm going to go, I got to go check on him because he's slumped over the steering wheel. And so I, I, I made my way along the front of the fence over, over around and, and there's a little dog in the yard on a chain and he's just yap, 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 yapping at me, right? And I'm like, I got to check. So I walked over to the window, and I looked, and uh, Tex is blue. He's leaned over the steering wheel, and, and I, I'm, I'm just like, what do I do? Uh, and so I, I 
was just trying to see what what I could see, and I I went to knock on the window, and and all of a sudden I hear this <laughs> turns around and looks at me, and I was like, "Holy Lord!" <laughs> I, I thought I was gonna pass out. He he woke up, and I was like, "Text." He opens the, or he rolled down the window, and he said, "Hello, neighbor," and, and I was like, "Dude, I thought you were dead." He's like, oh, no, I'm just sleeping in my truck. I do that often. He came out, and he, it was true. We lived there for almost four or five years, and, and almost at least two or three times a week, he'd be out in his truck sleeping, slumped over his steering wheel. And I've seen people drive by really slowly and like, and you could see the look on their face was, should I call the cops? It was the same look I had. Text, man. I, I, they were some fantastic neighbors. I, I really enjoyed that that neighborhood. Um, one day, I uh, I needed a shovel, and uh, I'd been out in my front yard. I was doing some landscape stuff and planting some things, and and uh, I thought, you know, what? I need I need to get a, I need to get a shovel. And so um, I walked out in the front yard. Text comes over to the fence, as was his tradition. If he saw me in the front yard, he'd come off the porch, over to the fence, and we'd meet at the fence and talk for a few minutes. And I just happened to share with him that I needed a shovel. I was going to go up to Home Depot, and, and he's like, oh, you don't need a shovel from Home Depot. He had just this way of talking. It just cracked me up every time we'd, we'd talk about things. And He said, come on, come on over to my house. I've got shovels. And, and I was like, what do you mean you got shovels? And he began to explain to me the story of how he used to own the only hardware store in Puyallup. I didn't even know how long ago, but a long time ago. And he told me all these stories about how, well, I wouldn't even get into them. So he, he uh, brought me into his house, and we go through this, this house that if there was a trail about as wide as you could walk through the house and out the back. And... In the back was a shed that was a, a, you know, about the size of a third of this room with a dirt floor and shelving. And on every shelf was stuff you'd find in a hardware store. That was 100 years old. <laughs> and, he, and it dust so thick you couldn't see through it, no lighting. I mean, you walked in there and he led me over to a stack of shovels. And he's like, I got shovels right here. I'll sell you one of these ones. $20. And I was like, I can't even tell those are shovels anymore. I mean, they were rusted and, and deteriorated, and they were wood-handled. And so I was like, you know, Tex, that was, that's super awesome of you, man, but I, I need a fiberglass one. I got to get a fiberglass. Oh, I don't have any fiberglass ones around here, but I got these wood ones good shovels every one of them i thought you know if i put that in the ground it would break off and stab a a metal sliver in my foot and it'd be bad so he sent me on my way i didn't need one of the one of the wooden shovels i went up and bought bought another shovel but the thing with text the thing that that impressed me about this situation was to him all these things were new these things had been sitting on these shelves for probably 40 years. But to him, when he went back and saw them, they they were new to him. They still had value. He invested his whole life into this store, and he had stories that he told me for years. 
I mean, probably three years. He always, every time I talked to him, he had a new story about, about something that had happened in his life and, and who he met through this hardware store, which was, which was really cool. But he invested his life into this store, and life didn't give him any sort of return. I'm trying to be somewhat conservative when I, when I explain to you the, 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 the experience with, with this family. There, see, their house was built in, in the late 1800s, and it hadn't been upkept on a Halloween day. You'd be terrified to walk by this place. It had burlap sacks hanging in all the windows. I mean, it was, it was a scary place to be on a Halloween day. The, the walls inside were nothing but, but uh, two-by-four studs with newspapers hung on most of them. You can use your imagination and, and, and probably put together a pretty good picture of what the rest of it looked like. It was, it, was, it was very sad to see because these people invested their whole life and it fell apart on them. And they continued to perceive that things were, were good or that there was still value in things that had deteriorated and no longer had value. We invest in all sorts of stuff, don't we? And we invest in the stock market, not necessarily a good idea these days. We invest in the casino. We invest in stuff. We bring things home. Anybody ever seen preppers? Right? I like watching preppers. I can get into preppers. It's everything that I ever wanted for my fort when I was 10. Right? All the stuff that I thought, hey, Mom, can I have an AR-15? No. You know, now I can. I can get one for my... For my, my Prepper stash, right? Uh, Twinkies, they'll, they'll last a thousand years. I can convince my wife, hon, we've got to have a thousand years worth of Twinkies so we can survive, and guns to protect the Twinkies. <laughs> my wife, she was looking at a couch, and, and I thought, I don't, I don't think I like that couch. And then she showed me the, it's got like a, a footrest thing that's attached, and it, it opens. And I thought, this is awesome. If I buried a bus under my house, for my prepper stash, I could use that for stairs. I could open that up and have stairs that go down to the bus. Sweet. That's a perfect couch, honey. Let's get it. Right? I, I thought this would be, be, be the perfect couch. Man, I, I think it's funny that uh, hoarders comes on right after preppers. I, I figured out what the difference between a, a, a prepper and a hoarder is. Shelving. I have a buddy that has a garage that is shelves after shelves of, 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 the, of prepper stuff, right? And I promise you, if there was an earthquake, he would die if he were in the garage. It would have been over. Matthew chapter 6 says this. This is Jesus's, Jesus' comment about, about stuff. He said, don't store up treasure for yourselves on earth. Where, rust, or where, where moths and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But yet store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Where, where moths and rust don't destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What he's saying is that the things that you love, that's where you're going to devote your life. So don't store up stuff here where it can fall apart, where it can lose value, where our investment goes sideways, but store up treasure in heaven, where it doesn't do that. 
where you place your love is where you're going to invest your life. According to the second law of thermodynamics, I'm going to get into some big words here, right? The, the, one of the most observable laws of nature is that things fall apart, right? Anybody observed that before, right? Things fall apart. It, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's in our universe, if, it has, if it's made of matter, it's going to fall apart. The, the, the second law of thermodynamics basically says this. Everything was initially started in, in uh, the opposite of disorder, right? The opposite of, of chaos. It was, it was neat and orderly. And then as things progress, order and it becomes chaos. And eventually everything falls apart. Everything from stars, they're slowing down, they're burning out. Scientists can observe this through, through a telescope, right? All the way to, to my uh, ability to be athletic, right? I mean, everything falls apart. 20 years ago, I could look in the mirror and say, you know, I, I worked at a lumber mill and thought, I'm in pretty good shape. And now I look in the mirror and think, I'm going to do some push-ups or I'm going to buy a training bra. I don't know which it's going to be. <laughs> but I've, I've got to start doing something because this is, this is not working. Everything starts to break down sooner or later. It always does. So it's clear that Jesus wasn't talking about investing here on earth. When he says investing in heaven, it doesn't mean some part of earth. It doesn't mean some part of our our lifestyle. It doesn't mean some part of the things we have access to through our flesh. It means something totally different. When when I hear of investing, I naturally think of of money. I think of of setting something aside for later. Something for, for when I need it. And... I used to think of scriptures like Ephesians 3.16 and Philippians 4.19 that, that, that say, God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. Anybody ever heard that before? God will meet all of our needs according to his great riches and glory. And I would see passages like that and I would think, man, God's going to meet my needs because he's got all this access to money. God's got access to all the, the resources and financial resources that I need. And I would think that's a good scripture because... God's rich, and I'm not. But the reality of it is that's not what that passage is talking about. That passage is, is it's saying God will meet all of our needs according to his riches and glory. That passage is referring to God's great abundance of the testimony of his faithfulness. The massive abundance of the faithfulness of God through the testimony of all the saints, all those who are his, all those who have gone to heaven, all those who are still here over the last four to 6,000 years of people experiencing God in a way that he has proven himself faithful. And so to me, that sounds better than thinking, well, God has money and can meet my need. It's even better than a promise. Let me, let me ask you, if, I, if, if you came to me uh, after service and said, you know what, uh, Pastor, could I have 20 bucks for gas? And I said, sure, wait here. And I walked out and I said, I'll, I'll be back. What may go through your mind is, I wonder if he's going to give me 20 bucks. He told me he would. I'm going to take his word for it. But what if I walked out of the room and 50 people walked by you that said, wow, man, that guy, he's, he's, he gave me 20 bucks when I needed gas. 
And then another person walks by. Man, he, was, he, he gave me 20 bucks when I needed something. Right? This is what this passage is talking about. We have an entire history of people who have proclaimed the faithfulness of God. It's not that God promises to be faithful and meet your need. He doesn't have to. Scripture does. We're going to talk about it in a minute. But we have an entire history, a lineage of people of faith who have walked in the provision of God. Who can say, God met my need when I needed it. I have a friend, uh, I won't tell you who he is, some of you may know him. And he's struggling. Him and his wife are both about to lose their jobs in two weeks. He's like, we're done. We, we both work for the same place and we're done. They have five kids. He said, he said Seth, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm kind of worried. And I said, you know what, man, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to walk with you through this. And if you have to, you can come over to my house. We're going to have barbecue every night. Right? I, I don't know what the Lord's going to do to provide for you, but I don't have a question in my mind whether or not he will because I can, I can look at my own life, the faithfulness that God has fulfilled in me, but I can also look at you. I've heard some of your stories. I've heard the stories of, 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 of other people who are out and about. I can look at Scripture and look at 66 books of this Bible that tell me God is faithful from the lives of people who are just like you and me. God is faithful. It speaks to the enormous testimony of his faithfulness. Does God keep his word? Yes, he does. It's better than a promise. All things are his. 1 Corinthians 3.21. Let me read it to you. It says this, Therefore let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or, or Cephas, Peter, or the word, or life, or death, or the world, or things present, or things to come, all are yours. You are Christ's. Christ is in God. Listen to me, church. As far as provision is concerned, all things are yours. All things are in Christ. Christ is in God. All things are yours. In fact, what's interesting to me is, is uh, in, in Revelation 21, 21, you know, we, we want to ask God for, for finances, for money sometimes. We, we call out, God, I, need, I have a need. Lord, I need, I need uh, provision in my finances. Did you know in heaven, the Bible tells us that the streets are paved with gold. The stuff that we spit on, that we use a blower and blow our yard waste into the street, the Bible says that that's made of gold in heaven. And what do we do when we have a need? We go to God and say, God, I need some pavement. <laughs> Out of all the things we have access to, being children of God, we go to God and we ask for pavement. If my child comes to me and says, Dad, I'm hungry, I don't say, here's some concrete. <laughs> my children know me better than to come to me and say, Dad, can I have some pavement? I'm hungry. We've got to stop asking God for pavement. The Bible says that God knows our need even before we ask. All right, it goes on to say here in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse uh, 25. This isn't even in my notes. I'm just, I, just, I just want to share this with you. It says, Therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life or what you eat or what you drink, nor about your body or what you put in or what you put on or, or anything else. Don't worry about your clothing. 
And then he goes on to talk about how he provides for nature. He provides for the birds of the air and the, and the, the lilies of the field. And then he, he sums it up with this in verse 32. He says, for, for your heavenly Father knows the things you need, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. When we have need, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. See, my point this morning is to talk to you about in- investing. I got this big thing up here that says invest, because I want to share with you about investing in the kingdom. But before, just, just like when, when I, if I want to invest in something, I don't feel free to invest in something until I know that my needs are provided for, my, my immediate needs. Do you feel the same way? I mean, how many of you take a thousand bucks and go put it on the stock market or take it off to the casino if you feel like I don't have food in my, in my cupboards at home for my kids? You won't do it, will you? I mean, if we're going to be responsible, we're going to meet our needs first. And I, I, I want you to hear this morning that the Lord wants us to invest in the kingdom, in kingdom things. But he wants you to feel, to know, and be confident that he will provide for you now. That your immediate needs will be provided for. Did you know scripture promises right here in Matthew chapter 6? God will provide for you. If you are his kid, if you've said yes to Jesus... He will provide for you. He will provide your immediate needs. He will provide the things that you need. And it's not going to be pavement. But we need to go to God. We need to stop asking God for pavement. We need to start telling him our needs. And I don't care if you, if you I do care, pardon me. If your need is food, go to God. Say, God, we're running out of food. Would you provide? There are people in this room that may be the case Hear my heart. God loves you. He knows your need before you even tell him. And his heart is broken for you. He wants to teach his kids to call to him because he wants to have a relationship with you. He died for that. It would be so much easier if I could take my Bible and, and, and give it a good rubbing and say, and Jesus pop out and say, three wishes, all yours, right? But that wouldn't be a relationship. Jesus has died. He's given his life so that we can have a relationship with him. He loves his kids. It's you. He'll provide for you. So moving on. Investment in heaven begins when we stop investing in ourselves. When we get to the place where we're confident and secure that our God's providing for us, we have to begin to get to a place where we recognize that that I've got to stop investing in me. Because investing in the kingdom begins when we stop investing in self. When we start investing in God, it it flip-flops. It can't be both. Our investment in in heavenly things is directly proportionate to the amount we withdraw from investing in ourselves. So I want to talk to you this morning about three areas that we can begin to invest in the kingdom. Ephesians 5, 15, verse 20, it says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. One more time. So be careful how you live. Don't be like fools, but those who are wise. What's it mean to be wise? The first area, the first way that we can invest in God's kingdom is with our time. It's with our time. But this is the scriptures telling us about our time. And the, the first thing it says is that we need to, to, to live as wise. How What's it mean to be wise? The Bible says in Proverbs that wisdom cries out in the street. Essentially what that means is, anybody a people watcher in here? Like sitting in the mall and watching people walk around and and, and do the thing, right? Being a people watcher. Essentially what this passage is telling us in, in Proverbs, the wisdom cries out in the streets, is that if we stop and we look around and we see, we observe life, we observe people, We'll learn something from that. We can see somebody who, whose life is, is something that we would want for our life. And we can look and see how they got there. Can't we? We can also look at somebody's life who is struggling to save their marriage. We can look and see how they may have got there. Things don't just happen By the drop of a a, a hat, things lead up to things. Decisions lead to other decisions. That will lead to to good things or lead to bad things, won't they? I mean, that's how life works. The reality is if we watch, instead of reinventing the wheel of life, and we we stop and we we watch, that's wisdom. When, when When we can... Make good choices based on what we observe from Scripture. When we observe what we see in, 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 in life and people who are serving after the Lord, we can make choices that are wise. Instead of just making decisions at, at the drop of a hat without, without basing it on something. You know, Does that make sense? Wisdom cries out in the street. We can observe. We can be wise by, by using our eyes, by using our hearts, by, by being in the Word of God. So it says, we're supposed to live as wise. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. How do we spend our time? The first area that we can invest in the kingdom of God is, how, how do we spend our time? Who do we spend our time with? Do we spend our time, how, how much of your time do you spend on accident? We come home from work, we're tired. I mean, that's, that's given, right? I mean, that's normal. We're tired, but... Sometimes we crash out in front of the TV and we'll spend the rest of the night just laying in front of the TV till we go to bed way later than we planned, right? Anybody like, oh, I'm going to go to bed around 10 and then a movie comes on. The next thing you know, it's midnight and, and you're still staring at it thinking about how much the next day you're going to be tired and, and you know, just, we just kind of live sometimes. But this says that we're not supposed to just live but to make the most of every opportunity, and there's going to be opportunities that present themselves when, when we're looking for them, when we're ready for them. It says right here, understand what the Lord wants you to do. What's the Lord want us to do? Well, one of the things Jesus just told us, to not invest in stuff on the earth, but to invest in heavenly things, right? That's one thing that right here it tells us, if we're going to understand what the Lord wants us to do, that's one. What's another one? In Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and make disciples didn't he? One of the things that the Lord wants us to do, go and make disciples. 
What's that even mean? Go and make disciples. It was, it was a directive for Christians to go and make disciples. If we're going to invest in the kingdom concerning our, with our time, concerning our time, one of the ways we do so is by making disciples. What's that look like? Because sometimes we have a tendency to overcomplicate that. And here's, here's making disciples 101, all right? Spend time with people. Spend time with people. That person that maybe the Lord's been, been stirring in your heart, dropping in your heart, and you think, man, you know what? I should give them a call sometime. Maybe it's somebody at work. Maybe it's somebody you haven't seen in a long time. Listen, if you're thinking about somebody and you have no idea why, it's probably because the Holy Spirit dropped it there. Because the Lord may be calling you, hey, reach out to that person. If you're a believer, the Lord's dropping people in your heart left and right to spend time with them. Right? And it's simply this, investing in their story and investing your story into them. You sit down with somebody, you, you talk to them, find out where, how, where are they at on their walk with the Lord? Where are they at in their spiritual journey? Whether you're a Christian or not, everybody's on a spiritual journey. Do you know that? Everybody is. And so we just find out where are they? And maybe the Lord would use you to speak something of your life experience as you're pursuing Jesus to minister to them. There's, there's a guy, um, I, I won't even tell you his name. I got a lot of people whose names I won't tell you. Tex and Marcelia are not one of them. I love Tex and Marcelia. Uh, there's a guy in Olympia that I, almost every time I go to a restaurant with one of my kids, I see this, this guy who I've known for 20 years, and every time I see him, he has a new person with him, and he's hanging out in a restaurant sharing Jesus with him or listening to their story. And it is the most fantastic thing ever to see. Here's a guy who I knew back at another church probably 25 years ago who, who was timid in his walk with the Lord. And as he began to grow, and as he began to reach out, and as he began to invest in the kingdom with his time, he began to, to spend time with people. And every single time is with somebody new, just helping them get a little bit closer to Jesus. He's investing. The next area that we can invest is, is our treasure. Luke twelve fifteen says this. 1215 through, through uh, 33. It says, then he said, beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. And then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for my crops. And then he said, I don't know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, My friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you'll die the very next day, and who will get all the stuff you worked for? Verse 21 says, Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said, This is why I tell you, don't worry about everyday life. Verse 33 says, Jesus said, Sell your possessions and give to those in need. This will store up treasure in heaven. I think we read this passage and have a tendency to think, we, we focus on the sell your possessions thing. Right, don't we? I mean, we, we worked hard for our stuff. I had a sales guy come to my door not too long ago, and he comes over to my car, and he's, he says, you worked hard for this car, didn't you? And then he started squirting it with spray, some cleaner, and I was like, what are you doing? What if that cleaner eats my paint? You know, because I did work hard for that. 
It, it would it'd bum me out if it wrecked my car. But we, we focus on this, this, this sell your possessions thing. And I think what we need to be focusing on is this give to those in need. Right? It's not about selling possessions. I mean, sometimes if, if you've got six TVs and you only use two of them, you might have a little bit of an excess, right? Take it before the Lord. Lord, is there something I have that I just, I just don't need that, that I could use to minister to somebody else? It's, it's not about sell your stuff. That's not the focus. The focus is being on others. The focus is, God, how can I give outside myself to meet the needs of somebody else? Right? It's not about the possession. Did you know the Bible says every good gift is from the Lord? The stuff you have, the gifts that you have, it's, it's not bad stuff. But it's stuff. It's just stuff, Right? I, I think this reflects Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 22. There, there used to be a saying in Jesus' time that if somebody had a good eye, he was a generous person. Somebody who had a bad eye was considered stingy or greedy. Let's read, let's read Matthew 22 with that in mind. It says, the lamp of the body is the eye. This is Jesus speaking. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Right? A, a, a person who is generous will be, will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, a stingy person, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore your light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So here's Jesus saying to them that if you think you're a giving person, but really you're not, you're deceiving yourself. And then he goes on in verse 24 to say, No one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate one and love the other, or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. We can't serve both God and stuff. We can't serve God and stuff. Think about this, church. Do we love God and use the resources that he gives us? Or do we love the resources and use God for more resources? Do we love God and use the stuff he's given us to enjoy and to bless and minister to the people around us? Or is our heart drawn to the stuff and we use God when our stuff gets boring and we need more stuff? Where our treasure is, our heart will be, right? What we love, our hearts will be drawn to. Our life will be invested in. And what Jesus is simply saying is that be invested in others. When we invest in others with the things God gives us, when we live open-handed with the things that we're given, did you know you can't outgive God? We, we get so caught up on hanging on to stuff, don't we? Because we worked hard for it, and we, we like our stuff. But you, you know what? When we give our things, when we give things to meet the needs of those around us, God immediately gives back. Does it mean he gives back a, a, a TV? No. It means he gives back joy. The joy you may have gotten from something that you're willing to give to meet the needs of somebody else, Scripture promises that he will meet your needs, Right? He will also give back joy. The Bible says, pressed down, shaken together, and overflowing. Will God give back to those who give, to those who are generous? Right? It's, it's storing up treasure in heaven. It's all about being outside of us. 
And the last thing that I want to talk to you about, a way we store up treasure in heaven is with our talents. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, Each one of you has received a gift. Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do so with the ability which God supplies. That is, in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. I don't care who you are, you have a gift. If you're a Christian, you have spiritual gifts. If you are born a human being, you have talents. They were given by God. You might be good at making brownies. My wife's great at making brownies. I can destroy brownies. And I even use a toothpick to see if they're done. I don't have the skill for making brownies. If you can bake brownies, you can serve somebody else. You can minister to somebody. If you can teach, maybe, maybe you have a gift with children. We have a children's ministry that needs people who, who can minister to kids. Right? You have a gift. We have a building project that's going to be happening here starting tomorrow. Right? You may be able to use a hammer. I, I don't know. There's a way to serve. You may think hammers are scary and know how to make sandwiches. People need to eat lunch. Right? There, every gift you have, every talent you have, God has placed in you to serve you and for you to serve someone else. Bake, bake a meal for a neighbor. Invite them over for a barbecue. Maybe you're good at grilling steak or burgers. Invite somebody over. It's all about investing in the kingdom. When we step outside of ourselves, we begin investing in the kingdom. And the last thing I want to say to you, Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. How many of you know that, that restoration is an investment? Any Any... Men in the room that like restoring cars? Any ladies in the room that don't want their men to be restoring cars? Right? Have you ever heard this one? Honey, we need the spoiler for the car. It'll get better gas mileage. God is investing in you. God is investing in you. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Essentially what that means is God is not going to give up on you. God doesn't start a project and quit halfway through. When God begins a work in you, he doesn't give up. The Bible says he's not done working in us until Christ comes back and takes us on to glory. The process is called sanctification it's where somebody says to God, God, I believe in this Jesus, your son. I believe that I'm a sinful person and, and he can forgive me and give me right standing before you so that I'll have a place in heaven, guaranteed. And so that I can have a relationship with the living God that I didn't have before. When we say yes to Jesus, when we, as the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that, G, that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. 
If we confess our sins with our mouth and believe in our hearts, we will be saved. Right? When we turn from sin, when we confess our sin, when we do that, the Bible says God begins a process called sanctification in you. And it's where he takes crusty old us and loves us just the way we are. It begins a process to make us more like Jesus. And I promise you, church, he doesn't quit. You may think, I don't know if I could reach out to somebody else because I'm a mess. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. See, when we invest in earthly stuff, we have to start with a product, don't we? We have to start with money. Did you know in the kingdom, you don't have to start with anything. You just start with you. You take what God's given you, you, and you give it away to somebody else. It may be through a plate of brownies. It may be through selling a TV. It may be through spending some time at Starbucks, hanging out. But somehow through your time, your treasures, and your talents that God's given you, he will use you to store up an incredible treasure in heaven that will be waiting for you when you get there. Just before this passage in Matthew uh, 6, verse 22, Jesus says that he's talking about fasting and, and, and prayer, and he says that, that what we do in secret will be rewarded openly. And I believe he's talking about spiritual things. Because right after that, he says, don't store up for yourselves treasure on earth. God's not going to reward us with treasures on earth and then immediately say, don't store up treasures on earth. I believe he's saying, when we invest in spiritual things, you're going to be rewarded. You're going to see it. We're going to get to heaven and all of a sudden, something we'd never expected is going to be there, stored up for you for an eternity in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you today, Lord. We love you. We're so grateful for all that you do for us. Father, I pray that not one person would leave this room today insecure about whether or not you provide but Lord, that we would all be able to leave this room here in a few minutes knowing that your word tells us that you know our needs before we ask, that we're to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be taken care of. And Lord, that we would be confident and secure enough in you that we'd begin to step outside of ourselves. We'd begin to step out and, and reach others knowing that my stuff's taken care of. And I don't have to make sure that that's done. Father, but that we would, we would look outside of ourselves, Father, by way of our time, our treasures, and our talents. Lord, show us how. In Jesus' name, amen. And Papa, we uh, come before you today grateful.